Cut the Crest presents The Screening Room Hi and welcome back to The Screening Room. Um, this is going to be my last uh, episode that I recorded you know, some years ago now, uh, back in 2021, summer of 2021. So if you've been listening this year, you'll notice that a lot of the episodes were were apps that I'd lined up um, a while back and just uh, because of other work commitments and, you know, all that kind of stuff got in the way and I couldn't edit, release and everything because I am now more or less a one-man band. So, uh, yeah. Um, so this is the final interview uh, that I recorded back in 2021 with an actress friend of mine, Shri Devi Meena. Now, I met Shri Devi during a... Um, uh, audition actually yeah it was an audition for my first ever theater piece so I'd already got the role uh I'd, I'd it's the first thing I ever auditioned oh god I'm gonna it's gonna sound like I'm tooting my own horn here but uh uh yeah I'd um I'd basically been I went through a really bad breakup here's a little background actually into how I ended up in this uh in this world so I went through a really bad breakup in 2010 and uh my ex was a she was studying film production, so I used to help her out every now and then on sets and stuff. And and she knew that I was interested in the medium, uh, even though I was at that point, you know, still a visual artist. Um, and I basically I remember saying to her uh, over a little conversation that I was thinking of getting in front of the camera. I, I thought I could do it basically, um, and. And she sort of laughed at me and said, oh, you could never be in front of the camera and ha ha ha, you suck. So I was like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a stubborn mule when it comes to these things. Uh, and I don't like uh, being told no, or I don't like being told that I cannot do something. So I said, uh, well, uh, boo to you. Uh, I'm going to go do it. And I did. So uh, I think it was 2009 was it December 2010 or Jan 2011? I can't remember now. But I went for my first ever uh, audition uh, with a small sort of fringe theatre company, a London-based theatre company run by a um, uh, bunch of uh, Asian guys, Indians, uh, you know, South Indian, oh, not South Indian, what do you call that? East Asia, sorry, East Indian, I don't know, whatever. Um, my geography sucks. Anyway, so I went to this uh, audition with the mindset that I am getting this part. And it was the part for the lead uh, in what turned out to be a, a larger piece. But um, it was uh, a, w one of the short plays by David Ives. Um, I think the original piece, what was it called? Uh, uh, not on your, no. Uh, what, what the fuck was it called? It was called, hang on. It was called uh, Sure Thing uh, by David Ives here, which is a series of uh, a, a short plays uh i can't remember too much about it really but uh yeah you know look it up uh, if you want to it's been performed uh over the world uh quite a bit anyway so uh, i went in into this audition i smashed it quite frankly uh got the role because i was single-minded uh and just gave it everything i had uh nothing to lose right nothing to lose so uh anything you do just yeah just give it your all uh, except for murdering and, uh, you know, raping and pillaging and all that bad stuff. 
Uh, don't don't give that your don't don't do it at all. Actually, just just don't go there. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, so anyway, I got this part, and um, so they they cast me. I was the guy, and then there was gonna be a girl. So, well, I mean, you could actually adapt it to guy, guy, girl, girl, whatever. But um, well, maybe not guy and animal. But see, where is my brain going today? Now I'm on bestiality. Anyway, it's a romantic thing, not the not the guy animal thing or girl animal or <sighs> Jesus not the bestiality thing okay get that out of your filthy heads uh, so <laughs> they hadn't cast uh, the female lead um, we were going a bit traditional with it so guy girl and uh, so I, I was asked to read with numerous people uh, who are auditioning for the part and that's where I met Sri Devi uh, she was yeah reading for the female lead um Oddly enough, uh, she didn't get the part, even though she's a professional actress. She's a really strong actress as well. She's great. Um, she didn't get it, I think, maybe because uh, the visual pairing maybe didn't work. But anyway, a- another person got it, and uh, and it was all fine. It was fine. But uh, she and I sort of stayed in touch since then. Um, in fact, I'd seen her on stage before that. I think at, I think at Tristan Bates. Is it Tristan Bates? The big theatre in near Baker Street in London, in case this is the first episode of this that you're listening to. Uh, we're, we're in London, um, London, England, not Canada or wherever else. Uh, and no, the show is not about bestiality uh, at all. Anyway, um, yeah, so she, uh, yeah, I'd already seen her in a, a, on stage and she was pretty, she was pretty fun. Um, and we stayed in touch and we'd hang out and stuff and, uh, you know, um, she then made the move back to the U.S. because she's originally from America. So you're going to hear that in her uh, in her accent. You know, she's of South Indian uh, heritage. And yeah, so uh, we kept in touch. We had a chat about her career. She moved. Um, in fact, if I remember correctly, she studied in L.A. So she's from New Jersey. She moved to L.A., uh, studied there, then came over here, I think. And since has... Got- she moved back to the U.S. She went to Atlanta, uh, and now I think she might be back in L.A. I'm not sure actually, but uh, yeah. So here is uh, the final um, sort of pre-recorded interview I uh, I made back in the back in 2021. Uh, so say hello and goodbye, I'd say, to uh, me from the past. Uh, and uh, yeah, and you can say hello and then goodbye to to Sri Devi from the past. So uh, yeah, enjoy. Um, so my next guest is um, is the wonderful Sri Devi. And she and I, we've known each other for, well, it's coming on to a decade now, I believe. Um, We met when I was invited to go see a play in London. It was uh, in a theatre called uh, the Rudolf Steiner. Uh, It's near Baker Street, and she was performing. Although I didn't know her then. I I was invited by a mutual friend. Um, And Sri Devi played this uh, police officer in the play. Was it called Rumours? Rumours. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then... And then you know the play finished, and we all went our separate ways, and and that was it. Um, but then about six months later, 
um, I was auditioning for my first ever play with that same drama company actually um, and I auditioned with Sri Devi uh, and you know uh, it was I was completely inexperienced and here I was in front of an extremely experienced um, actress so it, w it was quite a interesting experience and and you know, uh, you end up setting up all these all these things start going off in your mind. You're like, oh crap, am I gonna fluff this or what? But you know, it went really smoothly. You were so professional, um, and then so we've just continued our sort of relationship uh, since then. And in fact, Sri Devi has also uh, lent her voice talents to this podcast. She was um, one of the first people that I sort of contacted when I wanted to do this thing. And in fact, the voice that you hear at the top of this thing during the uh, vanity and the intro card is none other than Sri Devi. Um, and it, it was so good that because uh, she gave so many choices. I mean, you're, you're hearing one version of the thing or you would have heard the, the, the slightly more comical Christmas and, and the Halloween ones as well. But um, she was so good that I then brought her back when our manager wanted to do a podcast for our little sister project, um, Private Signings. So she's on the title card for that as well. Um, welcome, Sri Devi. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad to finally be on the show after, well, I guess I've pretty much been on every show. since. You have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you, you're the one constant aside from me, I suppose. Right. Um, <laughs> so, Shri Devi, thank you so much for um, taking the time out to come on to the show. Because um, I know you're busy. Uh, you know, and there's the whole time difference thing because you're out in the U.S. at the moment. I'm in the U.S. I'm on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, I'm in the suburbs with family. Okay. I've been since since all this nonsense started. Yeah, the lockdown stuff, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! But at least you're with family, I guess. Um. <laughs> yeah. At least, or or. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. Often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I totally get that too. I think, I think there's only, you know, you can take it in bite sizes, right? But uh, yeah. man, at least you don't have a crazy three-year-old running after you twenty-four hours a day, unless you do. Are there any children in the family? Um, if you count my brother, who's older than me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in some ways, yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the mental outlook, right? Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> But um, he's not really running after me. I'm more running after him to ask him to like do things. Oh, I see. Okay, so he's actually fed up of you. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. I guess. Well, it's usually <laughs> me being like, "Can you please clean up all this mess you made?" <laughs> oh dear. Oh, oh okay. Fed up with who? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Uh, I feel for you. I feel for you. Um, which is actually so. It's no different to running after a three-year-old asking him to clean up the mess he's made. <laughs> so this is doesn't bode well basically what you're telling me is that nothing's going to change i don't think so <laughs> i really don't think so <laughs> oh dear oh god um Shri Devi, you are a wonderful actress i've seen your work um firsthand i've been fortunate enough to see your work uh not all of it unfortunately but um let's talk a bit about that i mean you're you're of south indian heritage um american born and bred uh new jersey right if I remember correctly, yeah. yeah. Um, so let, let's, I don't know, this, I, you know, I always say this is a bit of a cliche and stuff, but let's let's track it back and go back to the beginning and uh, let's talk about what motivated you to get into this field um, and actually when, because that's probably, that probably is quite important, the era that you were, you know, um, 
decided okay i want to do this because it's it's really changed for people of our you know ethnicity i think it's um, very it's been very different yeah i mean when i was um i honestly don't even know how it happened i think the first performance you know my brothers are all musicians and they play music a lot and um, my mom was a Bharatanatyam dancer, so she did a lot of dance dramas. And I know I used to go to some of her rehearsals with her. She's done, dan especially when I was really little, she did dance dramas around. They used to perform all over the country and in Canada, so all over America and Canada. And um, so I know I used to go to those rehearsals with her and like hang out and even try to dance with them when I was just really, really little. The first performance I remember was during one of these Association of Indians in America thing. Like they did, yeah. Uh, and I and I sang a song that I co-wrote with my brother and I was scared out of my mind. I was probably three years old. I was scared out of my mind. And this one guy sitting next to my mom kept telling me, he was taking the microphone, like, you know, put it closer to your mouth. And I was looking at him like so like, and my mom turned and looked and was just like, no, shut up, shut up. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just like looking at like, who is this guy telling me? Yeah. I remember how, how like frightened I was, but somehow after that, uh, my mom got me into community theater just in New Jersey. And New Jersey where I grew up is really close to New York City. So I also grew up around Broadway. And, um, and I recall, you know, by the time I was in middle school, middle school, we lived in Japan, we lived in Tokyo. And my mom actually started her own dance company, dance and theater company. So I actually performed with them a lot. And then um, by the time I was in high school and we were back in New Jersey, you know, I was doing, I was, that was like the thing I ended up doing was a drama club, choir. Yeah. Um, and then we were really trying to get me into acting at that time. So I was in the city all the time auditioning really for agencies, auditioning for things. I'd take, did all my training in New York City when I was in high school, like through all the really good conservatories. So that's how I, I really started my training at that time. And, wow. um, it was really an incredible experience. And of course my high school drama club, every once a month we would go and see a show on Broadway. Yeah, I actually did a lot of musical theater growing up. I was really, really into musical theater. Really? Oh that yeah, and I missed it. That's, that's amazing. Um, I mean, actually, I'm still stuck on the the Japan thing. I can't, it's been so long that since we've spoken, and my memory's so rubbish these days. I can't remember if I knew that. That's incredible. So, and, and the fact yeah, that, we lived there when I was in middle school. My dad was a scientist, and he got transferred there for a couple of years. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you've always been um, like the the traveling has always been quite natural. Oh, yeah. That's that's part of you. That's I mean, we traveled that. a lot growing up. I've been yeah yeah very lucky that is amazing um so the traveling is in there as much as the performance and the fact that you were getting so much support from your family like being um you know a, a south asian uh indian did, was there any at any point did they say oh. sort of don't do this or like be an engineer or you know the typical stuff so back in those days it definitely was either being an engineer or a doctor mm, yeah. that's such tunnel vision and my mom really wanted this so much for me too um and at some point my dad you know he paid for all those classes and I think at some point he he was just okay with it he was like yeah you know let her do that I mean I'm I'm the youngest of four and I'm the only girl 
So I feel like my dad definitely put the other stuff onto the boys, but for me, now the extended family and like their friends, I remember when I graduated from high school and, um, and we were talking about where I was going to college and I, I left New Jersey. I went to USC, University of Southern California, and I was going to be a theater major and I'm telling their friends that, and they would just look at me like, no medicine, no engineering. And they were so confused, you know, and I was like, nope, I'm going to be a theater major. And I would so proudly say it too, because I just felt so defiant. Like, yeah, rightly so. I'm not going to, I'm going to defy all your expectations. Like I, yeah. I felt so like, I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing. I'm going to be yeah. different. And I'm so proud of it. That's good. Uh, perfect. I mean, uh, you have to be, I think, because uh, I, I get the feeling, I, I, at least with the aunties and the uncles and stuff that I knew, you know, when they like, I had a similar thing, I suppose, in the sense that, you know, as far as they were concerned, all I did was draw, you know, oh, and, and, even, and if they want, if somebody wanted to elevate it, they'd say, oh, no, 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 he's a painter. I'm like, oh, I don't know, am I, I, I want to draw comic books, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> um, but you'd have to show that confidence in yourself because if you don't have that confidence in yourself then how do you expect anybody else to take you seriously i suppose but that's um yeah okay so you you had to go through the same that same stuff um there's always and even my grandparents kept trying to convince my parents like it's just a hobby and i don't know i think my dad thought because i was a woman you know he's still a bit traditional i think he thought because i was a woman that if I really wanted to do this that badly that I'd probably just get married. And of course I'm still not married, but I'd probably get married to someone who can take care of me. So I'd be fine. And oh God. Oh. I'm pretty sure he yeah. thought. Yeah. I mean, he was still like, he was a, he's a good, great dad. He, hmm. I'm the most like him. I'm the only one in the family who really kind of even studied any type of science or is good at that stuff. But you yeah. know, I'm sure it would have depressed him to know <laughs> <laughs> how good I, I mean, I, he, yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. As you say, you know, they're, they're traditional, right? I, I remember speaking to an uncle of mine once and he was just like, you know, we're a really conservative family and this, that. And I was like, are we? Really? Because, I don't know, you know, you, I'm just used to seeing a side of the family and, and it's easy. I found it easy to forget actually how conservative perhaps they were. And their circumstances are totally different, you know, where they, the, how these guys, you know, our, our older generation, you know, they they the they made these big leaps and moved around and you know to basically try and make our lives better. Uh, so I get it, I get it, but it does still sound like your whole family unit was really supportive of you. Um, so then, what happened after that? Then, so you've graduated uh, from uh, USC, and then then what happens? Well, I was pretty much pursuing um, acting since I got there. You know, I was I I started doing a little bit of theater. A lot of it was terrible. Um, at the time, LA didn't have really good theater. So just to give a little background, I, um, I moved out there in the mid 90s. So like mid to late 90s was, um, you know, it was, there was so much that's wrong with that time. Um, I think in general, I mean, I'm not even sure what's worse than misogyny or the racism or, you know, both, because I had, you know, I had to put up with both, but it's, it was a pretty terrible time um, in the industry and in, in a lot of ways, like women were expected to be super skinny. I, mean, I don't know if you know, but there was a size zero, a size, I mean, I even remember at the time there was like negative two and negative four, I'd see this at the store. 
That's yeah. not even a that's a negative size. It's not. Yeah. Women were expected to be really like practically anorexic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and besides that, uh, at the time I was, I had I had done some good theater. Um, these people came from New York, and I, you know, just through like backstage. Backstage is a newspaper uh, in the states that had like auditions and stuff in it. And I've met these people from New York who were doing a play and I ended up doing actually a really good play and I got an agent out of that. Um, wow. And then I did start auditioning, but even he like found it difficult. I would sometimes go in, I would do all these crazy, uh, in LA especially, LA is really big on this, is like you do these showcases, you pay money to do a showcase and then you get to meet a casting director that way and they get to see you. But so many times I was told I was just too ethnic to play an American teenager. The late nineties had all those teen movies like Scream, and I Know What You Did Last Summer and all that stuff. I auditioned for a lot of things in that realm and always told you're just too, you know, you're just too ethnic to play an American teenager. And it's like, but I am an American teenager. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. And then my agent actually had me audition for the part of an Indian woman once who was like, and I was like 18 and I looked like I was 15, who was like this 27, 28 year old woman who was married and had kids. Oh. Just because it was an Indian part. And it's like, this is a, you know, I don't even know how to, how to, hmm. like, that's not even, I don't even have that experience. And I was, I really wouldn't have known what it was like. I couldn't even imagine it. Yeah. I hadn't even passed that age yet. And, it's a weird time. So I was, but I was working it. I worked every angle. I think someone like me who worked every single angle that they possibly could, if I had been a white woman, I would have gotten a lot further. Yeah. Um, but there was just so many things I kept thinking I had to be perfect. I had to like lose all this weight. I, I even changed my name to a white sounding name. Really? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. To, can I, dare I ask what? Oh, I'll tell you. I wanted it to be um, white sounding, but still unusual. So I changed it to Astrid. Astrid Davy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Astrid Kept a little Davey. bit of my name in there, but yeah, yeah, Astrid Davy. Even now, I go by my real name, but Mina isn't really my last name, right? Swaminathan is my last name. It's like yeah. very something, but <laughs> it's just, it's, oh, just it's like a mouthful to say, so I still. Yeah, but yeah. the moment I changed my name, I actually got more auditions. To to Sri Devi. To no Astrid. Uh, oh, to Astrid. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Oh, right. Bizarre. Why? Uh, maybe because. Well, they got your headshot right, so they know what you look like. They know what I look like, but it's um. But I think you know I did that because I remember like you know at the time some people who were sort of ethnic looking were were still getting work like I you know like Jessica Alba was working and you know her yeah, name is yeah. Jessica Alba but she's quite ethnic looking and hmm. like there was this actor named Jonathan Sheck I don't know what he does anymore but I remember him you know he was working a lot and he looked really ethnic and right. I mean, there's just like different people so I thought well let me try it you know yeah yeah and see if it works and it did get me more auditions but it was still a really it was a really, it got to a point where after a while, I just, um, you know, I did take a little bit of time off. Hmm. Um, and then I just started doing more theater. Yeah. Because that was, uh, that was less problematic. So then I ended up doing, I, I went through a whole stream of just doing theater. 
And then, um, and then uh, I think one of the things that made me take the time off was, you know, because I was a singer, I um, and 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 I could act. And so I I had an audition for Bombay Dreams. Now for you guys, it was oh, a yeah. huge hit. For yeah, us, yeah. opened and closed in like three months. Did it? Yeah, it was it was a bomb. Um, so Bombay Dreams came to America and it was going to be on Broadway and I had an audition for it and I sent in a tape for it and then uh, this was from LA so then they actually asked me to come to New York so I came to New York to audition it was a one week long audition because it was the final week of auditions too so for you if you're if you're one of the finalists for a Broadway musical you come in you do like two auditions in the day. You do your, the, you do the work with uh, the song and then you do the scene. And then you do like two days of working on the song with the musical director and working on the scene with the writer and the casting director. And then you come in and you do your audition. Right. On the stage. That was the only time I've sang on a Broadway stage because we got to sing and do the audition on the stage. And you do it for producers. And it was an amazing experience. But that week I ended up getting um, a chest infection. Oh, man. I still did it. I did the whole thing, but I had a high fever. I was losing my voice. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, dear. You... And I took that as a sign from the universe to be like, quit. Yeah. Because that was my opportunity. And, and I, you know, so it made me take time off. I actually took quite a few years off. Gosh, that's I um, my. I just lost my motivation. I I hmm. came back and like just lost my motivation for a while. Yeah, and 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 it sound like, you know, I don't blame you from the from the sounds of things. Like I I don't think I've ever had to, um, ever face any of those kinds of um, you know, or climb those kinds of mountains or hills. Do you know what I mean? I've never. I don't think I've ever had to face any anything quite like that um i know my wife has on oh you know on a multitude of levels and and for yeah. you i guess it's not you know you, you've got the double whammy uh and this might, might upset people but i think it's an absolute truth um you've got the double whammy of not only being indian so ethnic in a uh, in a perceived caucasian you know dominant yeah. caucasian uh society and you're a woman yeah right um yeah because especially especially back in those days and sometimes now but especially back then hmm. if you were an ethnic woman they want like you were just completely sexualized too because you're ex exotic yeah right yeah yeah, and yeah. There's that whole thing and it's like i'm not gonna i don't want to play those types of roles at all i was just like no absolutely not yeah that's funny you should mention that as well because the fever thing as soon as you said about uh, auditioning uh whilst having a fever it reminded me of your um namesake uh in in, in bollywood oh, uh, yeah the late, uh shri devi uh, yeah. but that's with a sh whereas uh you're with just sr but she performed a musical number or something apparently um to camera though uh with a raging fever I love that. <laughs> yeah, apparently, and she had all the rain. The rain machine was full on her and stuff. But yeah, that's the, it's it's um yeah ignited that memory. But um okay, so like, but the audition. Hey, I'm shocked that that play didn't do so well because I, I I was lucky enough to see that with the original cast. 
in in Victoria. And yeah, and I actually heard the tape um, before my audition because I wanted to really hear how they were doing the songs. And yeah, um, I mean, it sounded it was so like professional sounding. Yeah, one of the women who was in it, I think Aisha Darko, she ended up doing the Broadway, the same part on Broadway. Oh, did she? Yeah. Okay, so initially that wasn't the plan. She would have been recast in the U.S. Is that is that right? Or I think that they probably would have. I don't. I I feel like they still could have found someone to play that part. But yeah, yeah. Unusual that. Yeah. Okay. And to take somebody from here over there. I don't know. Sounds crazy. Oh my god. Well, that's another thing. Yeah, that's another one of the things that I yeah. that I do. You know they do that a lot here now and it's become pretty excessive yeah like it's okay for me to get a visa to go and work in canada or in the uk as an actor but all these actors who aren't even well known here somehow mm-hmm. are coming over here from canada and the uk and getting work and even from india now really yeah bizarre when they okay. just cast someone here okay yeah strange but you guys can't do the reverse you can't go out basically you no i could go to out. india because i got my oci okay but um yeah it's very difficult to get a visa to go to the uk or canada yeah that's that's unfortunate i thought i thought things were perhaps better but i mean I, again i i've never experienced that so i wouldn't i don't really know yeah actually a friend of mine had booked um uh, a part in a film that was shooting in Atlanta and that was supposed to shoot over the spring. And of course it, it, you know, it got shut down. And then when uh, everything opened up in Canada, um, they decided to move it to Toronto. And, uh, and then my friend, um, they ended up recasting that part in Toronto. And it wasn't even a small part for a feature film. If you're, if you're booked to work nine days, that's more than like just one scene in the film. That's, you know, yeah, yeah, substantial role. Oh, that yeah. sucks. So, well, just because they couldn't get her out there. I mean, how did the crew go out there then? I think it's just what's something that they do. They they don't want to like spend. Well, no, they get a whole new crew. The crew doesn't go out there. They they hire a crew. Uh, so the one of the things is if they do if they are going to do stuff in um, in Canada, you know, they get tax breaks there. U.S. Yeah. companies still get tax breaks there, but the tax break means that you have to hire a local local yeah okay i mean there's a similar thing in the construction industry when uh where they'll uh the client will stipulate or the no not the, well uh, the the local council will stipulate that a percentage of you know the workforce the laborers you know the site people has to be from uh from that town yeah it's got to be local so okay yeah, i guess it's not just exclusive to film i guess it's happening in different areas that, but that is a shame especially when you're talking about a part you know um there's a big difference between somebody with a wheelbarrow lugging rubble around from one end of a building to the other and somebody who you know has been cast for their specific talents to play a part and then that sort of takes then like if they, i feel like if they're going to do that they just need to find a way of evening it out and maybe not bringing so many hmm. people who are not american into america you know hmm. Yeah. Like I found, there's a lot of yeah. There's just a lot of people coming over now, playing, playing. You know, and I, I, to be honest, from my experience, even just watching television, Canada and the UK. 
when I moved to the UK and I was watching TV, I couldn't believe how diverse it was. And I know that for you guys, I know people in the UK find that it, you know, have certain feelings the way you've been raised there. And admittedly, when I went out there in the 80s, I found it was definitely a lot more racist, especially towards South Asians and stuff. But hmm. when I moved out there in 2008, it wasn't really at all. In my opinion, it wasn't at all. Yeah. It's like very open-minded. You know, London's a great place. The UK was awesome. And yeah. TV just had like everyone on it. And I'm not yeah. used to it here. And, I, you know, and so the people who are in the UK have a lot more experience, people of all different color, you know, a lot of South Asians and have bigger resumes. Mm. So they're hiring them there because they have bigger resumes to come over here. Mm. But they're not giving us the opportunities to have that. We couldn't for the longest time get those resumes. Yeah, yeah. So now it's like, so it's become such a weird situation. And now too, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about this. Um, I have a friend who's, she's half indigenous, half Navajo and half um, Bangladeshi. And we've been talking about this a lot. Wow. But now they're doing a lot of roles. Like she's finding a lot of indigenous roles, but they're so stereotyped. Yeah. And they're so specific. They're so oddly specific. And there's so much about her having to talk about being Native American. And I'm finding that with a lot of the, a lot of the roles now that they're, you know, there was the whole push with after Oscars so white, they're trying to, you know, up their diversity. Yeah, but now yeah. all the roles are about being like, being a certain ethnicity. And, and, and I'm thinking, and there's a ton of immigrant stuff. There's a lot of stories about immigrants, yeah. but they've completely forgotten about us. I mean, but the, you know, now, you know, I'm, I mean, I was the first generation born here. I don't have mm -hmm. children, but my cousins do. And my cousin's children, some of them are now in their 20s and 30s. And they're, they're like the second generation born here, you know. Yeah. And I mean, there's now like multiple generations born in America of not just Indian Americans, but Ch definitely Chinese Americans mm. and um, Japanese Americans that have been here for a long time. We don't need these, you know, like it, it doesn't have to always be an immigrant story. Part of the thing mm. about pushing for diversity is just maybe we could just be cast as whatever like it doesn't matter you know yeah like it's that just, uh, like we're people and we're just yeah. people like you you're just an american teenager as you were saying yeah before, right yeah and just I mean, so it's i'm finding i'm finding that struggle with that now um i think each of the markets are sort of different i think la ha is a little bit better when i look at the tv shows that are shot in la they seem to be just a tiny bit better about that um, as far as what I see on TV. Um, the stuff in New York yeah. is definitely, their push for diversity is definitely more of a stereotype. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're the immigrant or, you know, you're this type. Um, you're the cab driver. Yeah, the cab driver, you know. So they'll have that, but it's they'll have the diversity, but it's definitely more along those lines. Um, the Atlanta market is, is still pretty behind, you know, mm -hmm. I see breakdowns that are like specifically, they want this character to be white, this character to be black, it'll mostly be black and white. And then, you know, there'll be like a co-star, like a co-star is usually someone who has one or two lines on a TV show. Yeah. There'll be that part, a co-star that'll just be like any ethnicity, but you're Anything. not seeing them. Yeah. But you're not seeing them in the in the lead roles or even the, the supporting roles. Um, 
so it's been it's such an interesting you know there are the, you do have different types of shows that shoot in these locations hmm. um i albuquerque is a new market i mean it's not a really new market but it's an emerging market in terms of it's not as big in production as these other three it's new york la and atlanta hmm. but it probably will become that big uh soon and you know hmm. they've already been shoot they've shot like breaking bad and um oh, okay they, they shot the first avengers there and oh right okay. they do shoot they've been shooting a lot of stuff so they'll i think it's going to pick up but yeah. i'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like as far as the types of shows um but yeah i'm just you know there's just been a lot of as far as the inclusivity i actually think it's sort of backfired in a way okay because it's become so specific and so stereotyped that yeah I, you know my and my friend and me were talking about it's not just us writing and i i have started writing and it's not just mm -hmm. about us writing and all, it has to be all the way at the top like the people who are at the networks and at the yeah. studios and at at these streamers like it has to be the people who are way in the executives now they have to diversify that because yeah they're the ones who are going to know they're the ones who are making these decisions and they're going to know that, yeah, we're all just people. Yeah. You're not going to keep doing these little stereotyped roles. I even had one agent. I, I have now I have an agent in New York and one in Atlanta, but when I was interviewing with Atlanta agents, one of them had said to me, well, I won't, I won't hire anyone who's not like, I won't take on anyone who's not black or white who doesn't speak another language. And I was like, okay, so you still think of me as a foreigner. Like you still don't think of me as an American. Okay. I just want to understand. I said that to her. So I said, so I'm still not really considered an American, right? Gosh. You know? What did she and, say? What was her response? She said, she said, no, you know, you just have to understand that this is how the market works and this is what it's going to be. And I was just like, I would, you know, she was so, she was doing these hard sells for herself. She made me wait a half an hour. So that was, first of all, I thought that was rude. Mm. And, um, and then she just was doing all these hard sells about like about like how great she is and you know i went on imdb i was like you know your agency's okay but you know mm. like i then she kept telling me i needed to lean into my stereotype of my type and i just kind of got and and that she said you you know you're not really doing your stereotype well and you need to lean into that because i can look at you and i you know i'm not seeing what like you need to have and I was in shock because this was this was like a like two years ago. <laughs> Bloody hell, man! <laughs> Just when I thought, from my perception, that things were changing, I was like, "Oh, look at that! There's Indian people on, you know, on American TV." Because as you were saying before, I was used to seeing that uh, in the UK. And I always put it down to well, there was just more of us over here, and we'd been around maybe longer yeah, uh, than in the yeah than in the US. Um, but then you know you had like uh, and I mentioned this uh, in another episode, but I talked a bit about you know Sanjeev Bhaskar and Nino Ardia and those guys that's the goodness gracious me guys in the '90s who were sort of trying to break down those stereotypes. We had the sort of the the, the British Asian um, films. Uh, and then the U.S. sort of started doing those as well. I think it was sort of in the early noughties, late late uh, late nineties, early noughties, like um, 
oh my god what were they called like so we over here we had things like baji on the beach and um I remember that one. Yeah, yeah there was a few of those and there was and and america always felt like it was about a decade behind but it did feel like they were moving in the right direction and then you know you start seeing uh people like uh um uh Nayer, you know uh, what's his name uh kunal Nayer, i think it is uh, oh, yeah. Big Bang theory and, and i really act so much but you had these guys showing up in mainstream television and you're like oh look indian person indian person okay things are changing but actually uh he probably got that role because he had that accent by the sounds of things because there was yeah a, i remember an interview where he said that people were shocked that that was just how he spoke because he'd come over from india so he'd done a stint over here in the uk um in the west end i think and then went on to the u.s but that was just how he spoke so like, but then the woman who played his sister is actually american right okay so she was putting the accent yeah Put yeah, the accent. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, just, it's just oh god but you're right about the the leaning into the stereotypes whereas as much as i'm not really a fan of things like eastenders and these soap operas and stuff the the families like okay there's one you know it always felt a bit token there's one indian family there's one, you know, Afro-Caribbean family. It doesn't matter whether they're from the Caribbean or from Africa. They're just, they're black. Uh, and then everybody else is this stereotypical uh, white East Ender, you know, uh, with the white mate kind of accent and stuff. Um, but at least they felt kind of real. You know, nobody was really, unless they were the elder people, um, you know, the young the youngsters still sounded like, you know us i suppose you know yeah yeah accent was british and and you know um so it felt progressive in that sense but yeah it kind of hurts that i thought that the us was really changing but perhaps perhaps it's not perhaps it's not, not so really. it's all under a cloud you know it's mm. um i've seen calls you know uh sometimes cuz i still get i i i get the the emails sometimes to see like what they're looking for for background because I find if I see that sometimes you don't know what's in production but if you get mm -hmm. those emails it's like that you can find out everything that's in production just yeah. because they literally just tell you in those emails but I've seen somewhere they're looking for like some Indian person they want um East Indian and you have to have um you know have like ethnic garb they say ethnic garb you know and they want you to have a, a sari or something but you're just like walking around you're like a, a woman in her 20s just walking around new york and it's sorry and i'm like why the That's hell <laughs> you won't even see that in india what they, what the yeah, hell? Exactly, right? <laughs> i've actually got a I've got a couple of, well, they're interesting to me, but I've got a couple of stories about that, actually, um, that situation. So, you know, I've done a little bit of background work on, on stuff and I, like you, I still get those emails and um, and there were a couple of projects when all everything started kicking back off, you know, after COVID. Uh, there were a couple of projects uh, and one of them I really wanted to get onto and I got shortlisted and then in the end I got released and I was like, oh man, I'm gutted. But then all this other stuff kept coming in and I noticed they were for specifically ethnic roles, right? So it was for Indian roles. And then, and you can see it coming a mile away and you're scrolling through, reading through the brief, and then you see it. 
Indian wedding scene. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, no. You know, it's like, oh, man, what? And then they get to the bit where they want you to provide the costume. Yeah. And the costume is your Indian clothes. Do you have them? Do that. And, and I, and no matter how many, I think there's this is one production, I won't name it. Um, that but at filming... least it's the wedding scene where you would wear yeah. Indian yeah, clothes. Yeah. True. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll... And actually, the other example I was going to give, you would be dressed this way as well, actually. But, um, <laughs> and, and to that production's credit, they actually had their own wardrobe as well. So they ended up kidding out a bunch of us in their own clothing that was actually uh, ethnically appropriate. But th this this thing, it's like they seem, this particular production that I was talking about earlier, they just seem desperate because I seem to be getting the same casting call thing, even though I say not available, not available, not available, because it's an automated thing. You're not really talking to anybody other than a robot, right? And if you do right. try to talk to somebody, they don't, they never respond. Um, they just keep sending it. And it's always for that glorious, amazing wedding scene. And and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> I guess you're struggling huh, to find brown people to do this thing. But, um, you know, I, I, I wish I don't wish any ill on them. I hope they find I hope they find their wedding scene. Um, if I was running the production, I would have cheated it by now with 10 extras. I don't need 200. <laughs> I, I, but anyway, whatever. Um, but there was another sh there was another thing I did a few years ago, right? Um, it'd be interesting to hear what you think about this. Uh, we weren't told what the production was. So, and often you're not really, but they will give you like a title and a, you know, not necessarily a synopsis, but you'll have some idea of what it is. Well, you'll have a working title at least. This was like, um, sorry, there's a train going past. Okay, uh, it was it was like super um, super hush hush. I don't know why, because it's just some BBC TV show or whatever. But they wanted us to bring uh, traditional clothing. They call it traditional clothing over here. Um, does like oh great okay they just want brown clothing so i found like a kurta pajama like the most bland like basic white thing that i had nothing too elaborate and uh i took it along and they approved it and they dressed me up with like a little waistcoat thing and i was like okay all right and i was like well i look and i was looking at myself and i looked you know you go into the catering bus i went in there and it didn't click at first but after they got me dressed up and said okay now you can go finish your breakfast i walked back in there and i noticed everybody kinda looks Middle Eastern. We were all just different shades of brown. Yeah. And then I started noticing, oh, hang on a second, look at our outfits. And it was, it looked like Islamic, traditional Islamic wear, you know, with those, the waistcoats that the men wear at least. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, there were no women. I don't remember seeing any women. I think it was just all blokes. And we're all wearing this traditional um, Islamic outfits. And then we're told, okay, so the scene is uh, you're sort of all milling around this uh, Islamic area in London. And a bunch of you are going to be coming out of a mosque. And, uh, and and it said, oh, you know, who knows how to pray? And, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know how to do the prayer thing. Um, and, and 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 actually, while we were waiting around, one of the guys who was a Muslim was teaching me, like, oh, okay, so that you do this, and then this means this, and and so that was actually, uh, it turned out to be quite an interesting, uh, interesting afternoon. But this one guy brought up a good point. He said, well, they haven't told us anything about this production, right? 
uh, and this was after the fact we were, i think we were going back to the um to not the holding area but you know back to base or whatever and uh and he said how do we know that they're not going to portray us in a negative light i was like yeah i guess we don't because we haven't seen a script right we wouldn't see a script we didn't know what the thing was called um and we just assumed that there's a chance there's a possibility that we could be portrayed as terrorists or something because you had the hero going through us looking for something or someone i was like oh man it's what it's one of those you know what i mean it's like yeah uh it wasn't homeland but um you know it felt like one of those things and i was like yeah it's true actually uh we have no idea what we've signed up for here you know and, and a few of the guys were really um they're quite passionate about it because they were actually they were muslims you know, they, they actually were Muslims, so it adds this extra layer. I, I was just this agnostic dude that showed up who's brown, um, so you know I could take it or leave it. But for some people, it's real. It's a real problem. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I remember when I was younger too. For the longest time, I it was always I was always auditioning for like the terrorist sister. Really? That was yeah. There was always that you know, because a lot of the TV shows at the time in the, like the late nineties and stuff, a lot of those shows, you know, had terrorists in them hmm. yeah, and they were always guns, Islamic. Guns. They were always Islamic because that was the time, you know, especially hmm. like the Iraq war was yeah. like 2003 or whenever. And, yeah. you know, there's just like all that, those times, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a tough, um, there's a lot of that. I remember when there was the Oklahoma city bombing here in the States, Okay. And I remember I was actually in an acting class at the time um, in LA, and everyone was really upset because a lot of children were were murdered in that. It was really sad because there was a daycare there, and uh, and this is Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. This is like the middle of America. Okay, just yeah. not that there's nothing wrong with the middle of America. I've driven through, and I love a lot of different parts of America, but nobody outside of America really cares, you know. Like it's not really affecting anyone or any, it's not going to do any damage, but yeah. everyone was convinced it was Islamic terrorists. And there was a lot of racism against people who were Brown Yeah, and people were talking about it in my acting class and the, and the casting director was running the acting class. And he was like, you know, yeah, what, like uh, since this is on everyone's mind, we should talk about it. And I said, I think it's just really, I know it's a horrible thing that happened, but we need to stop. We need to stop like, you know, just assuming that it's Islamic terrorists and everyone was like, well, this was a terrible thing that happened. And usually it is. And they were just telling me that I'm wrong. And it was so horrible. And I, and I said, but why would they, I was even, I think I was 18 or 19. I don't know how old I was. I was young, but even then I was like, but why would they, why yeah. would they, like, why wouldn't they, they would hit like New York or LA. I mean, why would they go to Oklahoma? It makes no sense. And they were yeah. saying, that's how, how they work. They want to throw you off. And I was like, I still don't get it. And as it turns out, it was it was a Christian fundamentalist, a white Christian fundamentalist who bombed Oklahoma. There you go. As it turned out. Yeah, and they can't be terrorists, right? They're just um, was a term that. Uh, there, well, yeah, there's a different term they use for white terrorists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't remember what that term is, but there's a completely yeah. different term, and it's not terrorists. Yeah, yeah. The, not domestic oh, terrorists. Should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah bizarre. i'm gonna have to look that up again now because it's yeah oh my god because remember that was 
that was like really um yeah i remember about maybe 10 15 years ago that was everywhere because again they were still presuming everybody was it was just a islamic person yeah you know um yeah 9-11 I, I was in the u.s when that happened and yeah you could feel it you know there was a lot of tension after 9-11 i i lived in where i lived in la was right near a gurudvara um it's actually a really hipster neighborhood um okay. los Feliz. so if anyone's in la and they know los Feliz, they know i lived like walking distance from the gurudvara in los Feliz, and um they had to like i i mean they were on it it was almost as if when that happened in the morning and in la that was that was like five o'clock in the morning because it was like eight in new york it was almost as if the moment they woke up and they knew that it happened they went to the sign store and had a sign made and then put it out in front of their building because when i went for a walk that like late morning i went for a walk i was you know talking to everyone i knew in new york trying to figure out hopefully everyone's okay and I was walking around the neighborhood and there was already a sign saying like, we condemn these attacks and yeah, just yeah, to, yeah. and it was like a printed out sign that they put in front, but they yeah. knew, they knew right away they needed to do that. They weren't, you know, they knew it was going to, it was coming and it, it did that same, that same day, right? Just for um, the sake of those who may, uh, may not know what we're talking about. A Gurdwara is basically a Sikh temple. It's, um, yeah, uh, Punjab people from the Punjab in India so they wear turbans they have beards um, to people like perhaps Sri Devi and I distinctly different to you know a Middle Eastern person or a Muslim person um, who is distinctly different to a Hindu and so on but uh, as it turned out unfortunately sadly um, I guess a lot of Western people can't differentiate I think that same night right some some nutter drove um, a car into a gurudwara or something, didn't he? And he killed yeah, a Sikh yeah. guy or something. Oh, yeah. And people were in, even in New York in Jackson Heights. Jackson Heights is very Indian, mm -hmm. like really Indian, Indian. Yeah. Um, people like I, I saw video footage at the time on the news of like white people like throwing things out their window at Indian people on the streets. Yeah. Like just like throwing their drinks and throwing like crap at them and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, dark times would be an understatement. I remember my, um, in Columbus, which is a tiny little town in uh, Georgia, but home to Fort Benning. Fort Benning is sort of appended to it, rather. So not home to Fort Benning, but, you know, it's right next to it. Um, and all the, 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 the Indian community there at the time was reasonably small. We all knew each other. There was, you know, how many families, like 10 or 20 or whatever, but everybody knew each other and they were all saying, Oh, make sure you put the Stars and Stripes sticker on the back of your car or on your bumper and, and put the flag out and stuff. And like my family already had the flag because they're U.S. military. You know, my, my uncle is more American than some, you know, than, than most, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it was just kind of shocking. Thankfully, my family didn't do it. They were like, this is madness. You know, if somebody wants to take issue, then we'll we'll talk to them about it, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's sad that people not only felt they had to do that to prove that they have a right to be there and that they're not the enemy but um the fact that they that many did as well it's yeah it's heartbreaking it's a tough thing because especially for a lot of us you know you're born and raised here hmm. and your experiences are that people people don't uh, accept you as being part of the culture and part of the country 
Yeah. And this is your own country. And maybe, I, I don't know if you have that same experience over there. You know, I assume, you, you know, maybe you do a little bit, but, um, you know, it's just, you just feel like you're always being told that you don't belong. And, you know, then it's like, but where would you, where would you go back to? There's no place to go back to. I was born in New Jersey. I'm from Middletown. I mean, I can't like, I'm literally from a town that's actually called Middletown. It's like an <laughs> American sounding town on the planet. <laughs> but it's like, where am I, so, you know, you go to India, you know, even though we, we are Indian and I do relate to a lot of things that are Indian. It's like, I, you know, maybe it is a part of like my culture and soul in, in some, some ways but it isn't who I am because I'm, I'm American. Like I was born and raised here and this is my country and this is my culture. So it's always been, you know, my mom has always said, I don't want to say things to you. Like, like some things have happened, but I don't want to say things to you to make you hate your country because you know, this is your country and you should love it. And I'm like, yeah. you can say anything. It's how people treat me. But then I've done some wonderful things like, um, you would actually, you know, on your little like sheet paper you or whatever your email, you had asked what one of my fondest memories is as an actor. And yeah, actually, one of my fondest memories was going on tour. I did a, I did a musical. It was children's theater, um, and I did a musical, and we toured around the states, and uh, and it was such. I had I dealt with you know there were eight of us in the group. I actually dealt with the most racism from from three of the people who were who are my co-stars my actors you know so I, I had to deal with racism from three of them but throughout the country i just found it to be such an open mind i don't know and this was this was back in 1999 was it 1999 yeah i actually found it people to be so like lovely and open-minded and Maybe they didn't know like what I was or where I came from, you know, because there's no internet and I think there was just email, but and like ask Jeeves and that's it. But you know, they they didn't know what my background was, but they were very curious about it and they weren't rude about it. They just wanted to know, like, what are yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, I've had people be rude about it, which is more in like LA and New York, especially in LA. I've had people be rude about it back in those days. Um, now it's different, but you know, I've had people ask me in a rude way, but here in the, in the middle of the country, people were so lovely and just really nice about it and just curious. And I found it, it's actually one of the most fun things I've done. I, it was such a great thing to do. Doing children's theater is kind of like, it's not, it's not going to help your soul in any way. I mean, it can be a little like it's really stupid. A lot of it is really stupid, you know. What, really? No, you're not like you're not like doing anything cathartic or like getting all your emotions okay. out. But it is fun, and it was a fun experience because I got to travel around the country and go to states I would never have gone to before. And um, that trip, that was like 20 years ago. That trip made me want to go and and explore the country in detail, in a lot longer, and hence spend time. And I finally did that this summer. Yeah, I saw. Okay, wow. 20 years in the making. 20 years in the making, because I never thought I'd have time to do it. And I finally had all this time, and I just got a tent and threw it in the back of my car and um, just a few things. And I just drove 
and I stayed, I slept in a tent the whole time because I was afraid of staying in hotels. I, we didn't know what was really happening, right? So in the summer, I, I was still sort of like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to be outdoors and in my own tent this whole time. I'm not going to be indoors or anywhere where I'm like, you know, in close proximity to people. So I was just like, this is great. I got to be outdoors. I met some interesting people. And this is, you know, and there was the whole Black Lives Matter thing happening here over the summer and the tensions were so high in the States. But I'm out there and, and people were just really nice. I didn't talk politics or religion with anyone. I think as long as you keep that away, hmm. most people wanted to hang out and like talk. And these are people from all walks of life. It was, yeah. Yeah. it's and actually I've... a really beautiful, lovely country. If, you know, hmm. you just have to give it a chance and I don't know. It, I, I mean, I say that, but I, you know, I, I have had to put up with a lot of racism and a lot of sexism and a lot of bullshit. But hmm. I've also just met some of the loveliest people in the world. Yeah, yeah. I've always felt that about the U.S. I've always found them uh, warm and welcoming, and as you say, they just they're just curious. And this whole, um, I don't know if. Uh, the US itself is aware of it, but like, you know, you, there's a stereotype um, from people on the outside of the US, oh, they're so uncultured and they don't know anything and they're stupid American and, you know, all this rubbish. And actually, that couldn't be more wrong, uh, from my opinion, you know. Um, I, you know, the, the, the everybody that I've met, and I'm not just talking about just because I, w I went to uni there, so I was surrounded by people who are in academics and so I'm just talking your average average Joe you know people that I would meet in um in airports or whatever like uh, there was a guy and he he was like a bat not a baggage handler I don't know what he was doing actually but he was checking the stuff you know when you're you're going through passport control and all that stuff and he was like oh you're from uh, you're from uh, England yeah and he was like where from Eng where in England and I was like oh uh, you know just London um, not wanting to mention specifics because it's a shitty little part of South London mm -hmm. that probably nobody's ever heard of. And um, so he goes, oh, yeah, 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 we're, we're, we're in London. I was like, South London. He goes, we're in South London. I was like, oh, you know, just uh, uh, Croydon. It's this town near Stratham. He goes, yeah, yeah, we're, we're in Croydon. I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So he was going down and down. And, uh, and I said, eventually I said, oh, oh, just this, uh, you know, place called Thornton Heath. He goes, oh, yeah, I used to live on the Pearly Way, which is literally this bit around the corner. Now, this was in this was in Atlanta. He was a African-American guy. Yeah. And, um, you know, and if you'd seen him, I suppose the presumption would be this guy hasn't traveled anywhere. He doesn't know anything. He just works at an airport in a low paying job and whatnot. And actually, he was, you know, he was he was probably more worldly than than many people that I know. He was incredible. Like the fact that he knew what the Pearly Way was. I was like, this is madness, you know. So yeah. this goes to show that these presumptions and it, it's bullshit, man. The I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I could go into the how I personally prefer. The I mean, US it's just interesting system. because I under I understand because there are definitely a lot of people. There is a lot of ignorance here. There's a lot of people who've never traveled. Yeah, yeah, sure. A lot of people who don't who who aren't curious and don't want to learn. Hmm. But at the same time, but that's not everyone, you know. It's just I sometimes feel like you meet certain people especially in the cities because the cities have everyone and and people and it has a lot of tension because there's so many people so you meet more of the angrier people i think in the cities yeah um 
in the big cities, you know, and that's yeah. what, what people sort of glom onto. And yeah, and I went to an, I, you know, when I was in university in in London, and and I would meet these Americans. A lot of them, see, you know, walk around. They're just on their own thing. They don't try to like. I I do think assimilation is is. I don't, you know, assimilation is sort of key in some ways. You don't want to fully assimilate. You still want to be your own person, but yeah, no loss it's of good identity. to like not, it's good to not like be the loud American, I think in a lot of countries. And so I, so I, when I see that, it does shock me. I think they're just like, well, this is who I am. I'm not going to change. And you know, yeah, I can yeah, see true. that, but you know, for me, I guess maybe it's the, the Asian in me of like, just be respectful, just yeah. I like to actually, maybe it's the actor in me. I don't know, but I like to just sit, watch a culture a little bit and then like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's more so... respectful. Just find the ways of being respectful and still maintain who I am, but be respectful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of all the traveling and, and, and cities, you, you know, you were just saying about cities and you just mentioned London. Um, let's go back to, tracking your uh, tracking your um career your and really your life actually um through so from new jersey to la mm -hmm. is that right yep yeah. then um la to london where you yeah. studied yes so you did your were you studying acting here as well was it was that no so i actually had gone back to school it was really i had gone back to school when i had taken some time off in la i'd gone back to school and i was studying both photography and chemistry. And I came to a point where I knew I just needed to get out of LA. I just needed to change my scenery. And I was like, what do I really want to do? Am I going to be a scientist? Am I going to continue in the arts? And I decided to continue in the arts and I ended up going to school and doing visual communications, graphic design and photography. Yeah. I ended up doing that in London of all the things. I remember you took me to a, a show once, right? Um, yeah. Where was that? We went to an exhibition, um, the photography. We did. Oh, God, that was so long ago. And I can't even remember whose exit. I've been to so many. Yeah. London is one of the best cities for art. I mean, the museums there have some of the best. You know, New York really just doesn't cut it. I mean, the art that I've because New York has a lot of pretentious art, but London has like some really good. Mm museums and really good art and they have really good like i don't know i've seen some great things it's been really exciting to be there and go to the museums yeah i think we went we, we definitely went to an exhibit oh we went to the magritte exhibit did we was it magritte okay fine yeah 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 it just all feels like an age away now gosh because <laughs> i know <laughs> because from there you so how long were you in london remind me again Five years. Five years, yeah, okay. Yeah. So after that period, because then you went back to New Jersey. Yeah, well, I was living in New York. I went to New Jersey. New I, was, I was in New Jersey for about a month and, okay. and was getting restless and just got an apartment in the city. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. And so were you, and you were working out there. I remember you were, you were singing with a, not a choir. I, yeah, was a, I was singing it was a choir. choir yeah. yeah, okay. So how did that feel? Because actually, even when you were in London, I mean, you were still performing, obviously, because that's how we met. So you yeah. were still involved in that world um, whilst doing other things. You took that experience 
back to New York City, applied it there, or like so? What 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 was that transition like? What did you get up to? So when I came, then you know, I think New York was a very transitional phase for me. I had never intended to live in New York. Um, I wanted to come back to London. I think, as you know, I really always just I didn't want to leave. Yeah, I was trying to sort out my visa. So I was staying with family in New Jersey, and then I couldn't really do that. So I ended up just getting a part-time job and then and then moving into the city. Um, and that was just, before you knew it, I, I then I was like, I have to do something that I love. So I started, I did the choir. And before you knew it, I was just back to doing all of this stuff. I started um, working on film sets just as, you know, I, I went into real estate. I started working on film sets um, just as a stand-in. Okay. You know, and then I was like, and I realized that's a horrible gig to do. And I really kind of hated doing that. Right. Um, but it was like, it was something I did because um, it's through a, it's through the actors union here and I was getting health insurance and it was. Oh, nice. Okay. But I was able to be on sets a lot more. And I really just learned a lot of the technical aspects of being an actor yeah. because I'd been doing so much theater for so long. I really just wanted to figure out this side. And that's when, you know, people had been telling me for a long time there that Atlanta is like the new place. And I was like, really? I don't usually listen to other actors because they're usually full of shit. <laughs> Especially in LA and New York, like a lot of them can really be full of shit and give you bad information to like sabotage you. And Oh, wow. Okay. All kinds of, I mean, I don't even know what that's about because we should be working together. Yeah. Um, but then uh, if I worked on a film as a stand-in. And the first AD of that film was going to be working on a TV series, on a major TV series in Atlanta. Hmm. And, and when I realized that even he's like coming down to Atlanta and he's doing stuff, he's the one who told me, he's like, you should just go to Atlanta. You know, you yeah. probably like, they, they really need actors and it's such a great idea. So I, I, because of him, I went, I was actually on my way. I was packing out of New York and I was like, I should just go back to LA. I'll figure it out. It's really huge. I'm going to start over again. Nobody knows me there anymore. I'm going to figure it out. I just wanted to go back out West yeah. and I still want to go back out West. But Atlanta was the best decision I ever made because I did get an agent, a really good agent hmm. rather quickly. I actually went through two agents. I went through one agent who wasn't as good. And then I signed with my second agent who's amazing. Um, and, she, and I, I ended up in a class. I, I ended up in one class that was really horrible, but another actress in that class introduced me to this other class that ended up being great. So I okay. really quickly, all these things happened. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I ended up in a, in a short film right away. I actually ended up, I've done four short films in the time that I was there in the year. Cause it was like, I moved in 2019 and then 2020 was a wash, right? So I, so tw in that year of 2019, in, even in the beginning of 2020, I actually did five short films in that time. Wow. Okay. Actually, yeah. So January, we did, no, February, we did a short film too. Yeah, in 2020. So in that whole time, I did five short films. Um, and I started doing industrials. Um, industrials are like, uh, it's, they're, they're good paying jobs, you know, they're like union jobs and, and um, they're good jobs. They're, all in those corporate videos you see that are in-house, those yeah, yeah, have real yeah. actors. And, that, and that's, I do a lot of those. 
So I started doing tons of those and they actually fly me out. Like they got me out to LA. They're actually bringing me out to uh, um, Maryland now. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, next month. Actually, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Maryland um, to Bethesda. They do it in there, you know, I've been doing it for Lockheed Martin a lot and they have different like, they have different facilities. So sometimes we shoot in their facilities. When they took me out to LA, they they shot at a soundstage, but they, it's been like such a cool experience. I've been doing a lot of stuff like that. And I audition a lot, like really, you know, three, four times a week. It's very rare. I think anyone from LA or New York will tell you they don't audition that much. Right, but I'm right, auditioning okay. for like really big projects, you know, a lot because it is just sort of, it's a smaller market with a bigger, with with a lot of work. Yeah. So there's just, you know, you're, once you get into the auditioning, you're going to be doing it a lot. And, uh, and so I feel, you know, it's been such a great, a, a great experience for me, but I think the best thing about it Mm-hmm. is I finally met my people like yeah yeah I have a, the best actor group and we've been keeping each other going through this whole pandemic every Tuesday evening we meet our class so the class the great acting class I was in was there um on Tuesday night and that class had to end right um and they tried to do it online they tried to do it zoom but they were just charging too much nobody wanted to pay that much for it for a zoom class because it wasn't the same but we all missed each other we all decided we just wanted to get together one of the guys he was the he was like an intern for that class you know he would do like all the paperwork and stuff yeah he decided i you know why don't we put it together he's actually a really good acting coach and he coaches kids and he's also he does headshot photography um his name is casey nelson if anyone's out in atlanta and they need a good headshot photographer he's really good he um he actually just decided to put out like to 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 be like you know the head of this class i mean he keeps saying i'm not the head of the class you know i i'm just facilitating it but i was like but you know you're really good at what you do and you're still doing it and we've all gotten a part in doing we still get together every tuesday night we go through scenes together we all get to act we like just talk about all the shit going on in our lives we spend about like half an hour in the beginning each of us talking a little bit about like the shit going on in our lives like how our week has gone, things yeah, that are yeah. on our mind. And then we like get into, which is good because it's a really good way to just get your emotions out to not hold back because that's the whole point, you know, we're actors and so much of our lives we get, you know, you have to have such thick skin and you have to be really strong about people will tell you you're too this, you're too fat, you're too, you know, your nose is too big, you're, you're too ethnic, you're too, you know, like all these stupid things but all kinds of stuff going on. And then you audition a thousand times and you never book anything, but you have to like realize, I mean, you're auditioning for the same people. So obviously they like you, but you still, after a while you start to think, what am I doing wrong? I need to know, but you know, it's usually not you. So you got all this thick skin, but at the same time, you're an actor, your emotions need to be right here. They need, they can't be stuck in here. They need to be right. Like coming out. They need to be all out here, you know? So it's really good that we just like talk about our shit at the beginning of class. Yeah, we, yeah. When we work together, we actually worked on some short films too. So I even forgot that. We we started making our own stuff. We write stuff for each other. We've been working together. 
I'm actually going to, I'm actually, I kind of created a TV show and I've been putting together the pitch. I, I went to like this Netflix pitch, pitch, like seminar. I'm on how to pitch them. So I've actually wrote, written out and put together my whole pitch and I've been working on the pilot, but another girl in my class, she's a really good writer and it's also her world and I wanted her voice in it. So we're going to work on it together. So amazing. we've got like all this great, I, you know, I feel really like, you know, I'm so excited yeah, about yeah. them because they really give me so much hope and they, and, and I feel so, um, I just feel so like energized. Yeah. And I, I keep and doing I, stuff. And it's coming through. Like this is the first time I think in a long <laughs> time that I've seen you so positive about um, performing really. And, and the fact that yeah. you are, you know, just so many auditions in itself, they're, they're your mini performances. You're flexing those muscles. You're still you're still working basically um that's amazing about the netflix pitch uh i really hope i really hope you get it i hope uh, i hope they buy it basically um do they i wanted to ask the netflix do you know if they do they still have that criteria of which cameras you can use and like the, the, back about 10 years ago or so i remember seeing they had like an a4 sheet and it was so strict they were like well if you're going to submit anything and i i guess this is not for pitching ideas to them but this is like submitting finished stuff and it would say okay it has to be this camera this camera this camera you have to it has to be i have no idea um, i haven't even gotten to that point yet in my okay. process i was just trying to look to see um what they need for a pitch <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this was a particular seminar where he, he laid down the whole thing of like these are all the things you need for the pitch okay well i'm sure well it's I know it's that's going to be an incredible experience um regardless once you get to that point to actually do it um yeah. i hope you i really hope you get it i really hope you get it i really so, hope i really hope i i mean the first step is to get the meeting with them in the first mm -hmm. place now i have all this stuff and i have like a couple yeah. of contacts but not enough you know we'll see how yeah, yeah. i it's think i might need to it's a it is and and even they were saying like it's better if you have a, an act like a name actor attached to it or if you have a good producer attached to it like yeah, we'd rather yeah. you had a good producer attached to it who could who you know can work on it yeah um rather than us having to assign you a producer it'll be yeah. a lot easier so i'm once i finish the pitch uh in the pilot first i want to find the producer yeah <laughs> yeah yeah which is yeah. weird because then you're kind of you you are taking on that role of studio exec slash producer anyway because now you're trying to form your team wow okay well yeah but i would be i would be the show i would want to be the showrunner show anyway yeah or at the very least you usually for a showrunner they want some experience but at the very least maybe be like the sub showrunner mm. and have the you know a producer who could be a showrunner who's done it before yeah, yeah netflix also won't allow you to be the showrunner if it's your first rodeo so really oh, okay interesting okay but as long as well i hope that you don't yeah, I hope you get that, <clears throat> and I hope that you retain some level of control. Um, yeah. Gosh, okay. So I was going to ask, so what's what's coming up for you? But uh, I guess this is this is that's a big, what's coming up. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this has been a really awesome uh, catch up. It's been so interesting talking to you again. I think last time we spoke, even remotely to this level, was years and years ago, right? I think you were I you were running the London Marathon or something. Uh, that's right. A, yeah. yeah. It was a long time ago. Um, Sri Devi, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, where can people find you if they wanted to find you online? 
or follow your work or if they want to know how does this netflix show go um well i'm i am on instagram okay um i it's mostly pictures of me hiking nice okay (laughs) right now (laughs) i um i'm uh it is a good place to you know Mm. you can find me at shridevi mina or it's at kajal baby yeah i'll put all that stuff um i'll put it in yeah in the in the show notes for that that's the best way to find me um if if you're if if any of your industry friends want to contact me i have an imdb pro account and my email is up there so okay perfect uh and i'll yeah i'll share a link to your imdb as well um thank you so much thank you so much this has been so much fun Uh,